on today's episode, Omar and I discuss the Atlantic Division and also what's going on with James Harden, man. Seems like this guy has more investments into strip clubs and other uh, various venues in terms of his social life. We're going to dive in with that. Also talk about maybe some Kyrie and LeBron drama, how LeBron maybe had felt, our uh, outlook on Kyrie and LeBron and how they may have uh, handled things in their time together. And also, we discuss load management. Does NBA actually finally have an answer for it? Yeah, so on the menu, we've got a bunch of stuff. Um, We've got the Atlantic Division mainly, but been a lot of uh, headlines, to say the least. NBA came out with, obviously, their policies in terms of uh, what's going to happen with load management. Um, Also, with how they're going to monitor people's activity. We'll see how that goes. Um, And also James Harden uh, looks like he's been hitting the script clubs um, maskless, you know what I'm saying? Uh, (laughs) Pretty much doing his thing, putting, putting up 30 a night in a different form and fashion. But um, yeah, we, we got a lot on the menu, but first off, we're going to roll back to the load management. This has been a topic of discussion for many years. I know Kawhi, obviously with us being in the Toronto area, we had kind of um, a look at how load management was in terms of how Toronto tried to limit his activity in terms of uh, the regular season, uh, a lot of issues with San Antonio in terms of how they handled him. NBA stepped in and said, okay, we, we got to do something about this. And they're looking to implement uh, rules based on people sitting out marquee matchups, national television games. Um, what do you think um, – this ruling can do? Do you think it's going to actually have some real impact in terms of uh, load management? Uh, no, because then all of a sudden guys are just going to get sore backs. Uh, they get sore. You can't, there's no way you can prove somebody isn't hurt. Right? I, like the idea behind rest is here's the thing. If you think about it, like we talked about this before, who's the, who was the one player outside of Kawhi who's missing multiple games like who's really impacting the, it's really just a Kawhi issue because LeBron does it once in a blue moon Steph did it once in a blue moon KD did it once in a blue moon but it wasn't like a regular trend you as an NBA obviously for if you're a TV partner if you're ESPN if you're Turner Broadcasting you're paying billions of dollars to the NBA um to broadcast it, you want to be able to show the stars. Like it, it totally makes sense. But um, I'm gonna be honest. I I think the players will probably play more, and I think it probably didn't need to be legislated. It probably just needed to be more of a conversation uh, between the teams. But I mean, to be, to be honest, like if you look through the past missed games, you look through all these guys. The ones, the only ones who are missing games who've actually not been hurt, has who not been hurt, and, I, and you know, you, I have a theory about Kawhi. We've talked about off camera all the time, right? I really think he's actually hurt um, more than he's letting on. Now we can get into what the signs should be and all that stuff, but I actually think they're doing it because he actually it feels like it's the only way he can get through a season. But in general, I. I understand where the league's coming from. I just, how do you enforce that? Like, what's the enforcement? How are you going to check? You, yo, you hurt? You hurt? Maybe somebody's squeezing your knee. Like, yo, is your knee really hurt? Like, you know, like, how is this enforceable? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, unless they have a doctor and, you know, I mean, I don't want to turn into an NFL type of thing because that's a different yeah. animal. But, you know, we talked about Ed Reed, even when he was playing, he's like, I had my own doctor to assess me so you never know maybe a guy is assessed by an NBA doctor and then he goes out and knock on wood and he has a pretty severe injury compared to a sore quad or whatever it is the only problem I had with load management at least for me was I think there were some games where I was like okay like you're playing Charlotte on a back-to-back and he's in the lineup for example and then he's missing a game against Milwaukee you know that's that's something where I think oh, yeah. obviously I, totally, yeah. has to address Oh yeah, and, that, and we totally, I totally understand, like I said, like if, if you're ESPN and you're TNT, you have to do this just because you can't have a league where um, you're missing your, um, you're missing, you know, marquee matchups. You don't want to have Clippers, Bucks, and Kawhi's not there, right? Like, you know, it's like, it's like doing Ocean's Eleven without uh, George Clooney, you know, like you need, 
you need the stars it sells right so i understand where the league's coming from i just again i don't know how you enforce this um also though if 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 it's a situation where you're saying, hey, I want, I want to make sure Kawhi or guys like or LeBron are playing against the marquee matchups that they're there, and you're saying, like, all right, just sit against Charlotte. What are you saying to the people of Charlotte? Like, yeah, 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 you're good. You know, so it's like, it's a catch-22. That What really needs to happen, which won't happen, is they need to condense the seed, cut at least 10 games off the season, spread out the schedule, and they would get people to play, right? Still have to play in tournaments, still have all these things. Um, to make the uh, in-season more interesting. But the season's at least 10 games too long, if that. Um, and we've known that for years, speaking of Kawhi with the Spurs, kind of just kind of – they were the first team to start really doing this. We are just like, yo, you're not playing our old guys because they're old. Mm. And we need them in June. So yeah. the, the real issue is how do you – how do you remedy this situation? The thing is you got to go to the players as partners. If you're the owner and be like, and the owners will be like, Hey, we got to, we got, this is how the bills get paid. We got to figure this out. The owners are not going to reduce games because that's 41 times when we have crowds that they can take in revenue. No one's going to be like, Hey, I want to make less money. No owner capitalist ever has said that. And uh, they won't say that breaking news. Yeah. That is true. And maybe this 72 game season is something that they look at. I know there, there's definitely going to be some reports about teams losing revenue, depending on when things open or if they do open, it may uh, be April or may when uh, things open. And if I'm not mistaken, that should be the playoffs. And so let's say somebody like Cleveland who probably won't be seeing any playoff basketball for the next little while, they may look at it and say, Hey, uh, we lost out a lot based on that but speaking of Cleveland um uh the LeBron and Kyrie um drama seems to continue um despite the fact that these guys haven't been on the same court in nearly four years um crazy to think of that uh definitely accomplished a lot of great things but there'd been comments on Katie's podcast about you know Kyrie looking at himself and and looking around the room in Brooklyn and saying this is the first guy speaking of KD like I feel like he can take the big shot he he's the only guy in this room who I've or in this league that I've played with that I feel that way and obviously we've we've been able to decipher it LeBron even looked at it and he said you know I looked at the full transcript I wanted to see uh what he had said and he said you know damn that was my reaction because he felt like he was looking out for Kyrie's um, greatness in terms of trying to feed him into believing he can be an MVP level player, but obviously uh, things didn't turn out that way in terms of how they felt about each other. What are your thoughts based on you know LeBron's reaction? Did you think Kyrie may have uh, maybe it misspoke in terms of you know not really misspoke, but he he definitely was out of line in terms of his timing of it, especially during the middle of the finals when it did happen. I almost forgot, as you said, I almost forgot that happened in the finals. That's how long ago it was. I, that, when, now that you said it, it kind of made even more sense why LeBron responded to it. Because I was like, yo, didn't that happen like months and months ago? But then I realized it happened actually during the finals. Um, so it was even more like, I remember it being like a more visceral reaction from people. The only, the, the thing is with Kyrie, and I think kind of gets lost in all of this, is... Kyrie never signed up to play with LeBron. And that is pretty clear by how he's been acting during his time. If you read the reports, if you believe the reports that he apparently threatened to have surgery, um, that there was always little to in order to force Cleveland to trade him. There was all these stories you hear about him and uh, LeBron purposely shooting and holding up the team and Lou yelling at them and all this kind of stuff like that. It just, it, I just think it was one of those things where like LeBron was wanted to mentor um, Kyrie and Kyrie didn't want to be mentored. Uh, I think Kyrie is the kind of person who thought he could lead a team by himself and he could be the guy. And even though up until that point, he hadn't even been, he hadn't even smelled the playoffs and, and him and Dion waiters were, were, you know, as the reports go, not the greatest professionals before he got there. And a lot of the behaviors had to be corrected. And he even thanked LeBron when he got to Boston and he realized, hey, 
mentoring these young guys and teaching them how to win isn't easy. And I apologize for how I acted. I just think Kyrie sometimes just doesn't think and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really, um, for a guy who, who is as smart as he comes off sometimes and is sometimes not as smart, he doesn't realize how to play the media game. Um, and he doesn't realize how he comes off to people. I think he's one of those guys who's been, who thinks he's smarter than he actually is and has been told he's been smarter than he actually is and doesn't really think out loud what he's saying. And I think in his defense, some of the stuff he says because of the whole flat earth thing that he said before and some of the other dumb things that he said in the past has kind of gotten overshadowed. Like he's done great work for WNBA players. He's done great work for the indigenous uh, people um, in America because he found out he was, and he's, he's done great work in those situations, but we only really talk about all the dumb stuff he does. <clears throat> so I think that's where a lot of this comes from. But in terms of LeBron and, and Kyrie, I just really think it comes down to is like LeBron, you can tell through how he acts with AD, realized how any missteps he made with Kyrie. And they were always equals as opposed to it always came off as big brother, little brother with Kyrie. And I don't think Kyrie's the kind of guy who took well to that. Yeah, I think, I think it's that, Yeah. And I, I think, think that kind of builds they, that kind of builds resentment for some people, right? Yeah, it does, especially because um, I'm sure you heard the noise in Cleveland. You know, like you said, you're you're right. Uh, those Cleveland teams they won what 33 games that last year before LeBron got there. Um, a lot of missteps in that franchise, but it definitely falls on his shoulders, especially being the number one pick. High expectations, and like LeBron said, and like we both know, like Kyrie's arguably the greatest ball handler in NBA history in terms of. Guys like him, Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson, uh, Steph. Steph um, maybe yeah. you can go way back and say Rod Strickland, guys like that. You know, he's in that yeah. conversation in terms of being one of the most creative guys uh, that we've seen with the basketball. So I think, um, to your point, maybe it, it, part of it, the way I kind of decipher it in terms of trying to look at the other side, maybe to, to, to him um, – at that point in his career, maybe he was so out of his mind in terms of his beliefs and in terms of what he could do. Maybe at that time, like to your point, maybe he wasn't ready for all that um, um, in terms of, you know, maybe looked at LeBron's like, man, this guy thinks he, he can come back and take my spot. And I think it's true in terms of that, because I, I do think that he definitely wasn't capable or, or ready in terms of, what he thought versus how reality was in terms of how things unfolded in Cleveland and obviously in Boston where he maybe looked around and said, Hey man, like this isn't what I signed up for as being that dude. Yeah. The heaviest head wears the crown, right? I think you, you know, <clears throat> be careful what you wish for, whatever other cliche you want to use. I think Kyrie got to Boston and he realized, Hey, wait a minute, this is leading a group of guys who don't understand what it takes to professionalism, the steps it takes um, and, you know, Kyrie's kind of this kind of out there kind of personality, almost like a tortured genius kind of guy. Like outside of the handle, he's also one of the best tough shot makers probably ever. Like just some of the sh angles and stuff he hits is ridiculous. Yeah, it's finishing. Um, not the best, but again, and not, not the best at getting his teammates involved and apparently not the best at really being social, right? Which is kind of, you know, why him and KD kind of get along. They're kind of guys that just want to play ball. They don't really want to do any of this stuff. But the problem is, in order to be a true leader, you got to do those other things, right? And you got to get your hands in the dirt. You can't just show up and play ball uh, because personalities and things like that. And, and, and like, I think, I think LeBron had the best... Um, outlook for him but maybe that's the way it came off to me it always felt like Kyrie kind of looked at him like he respected LeBron he probably was even cool with LeBron like you see them at the, the all-star game after left and they're laughing and stuff I don't think it was ever like this beef thing I think Kyrie really just always saw himself in that same vein in that mamba mentality of like I'm an alpha and you're not going to tell me how to do this because I know what I'm doing right and not realizing that there's levels to this as opposed to what, and I think LeBron did a better job and, and not to totally say it's all LeBron's was great in this. I think LeBron did a much better job with Anthony Davis. If you watch they he always talks and they always interact. They all, at least from the outside looking in, it looks like they're equals. It looks like a partnership between the two. 
It looks like it's this is LeBron and AD. This is AD and LeBron. Um, and they're willing to call out each other and get on each other. And I think LeBron realized that is that's where he probably made his mistakes with Kyrie was like, okay, if, if I'm just trying to show you, show you, show you, um, and I'm going to demand excellence out of you, sometimes you're going to bristle, right? Because, you know, rules without relationships equals rebellion, right? You got to have good relationships in order for me to tell you, you know, how it is like, if, if I'm just yelling at you, you know, we're brothers, if I'm just always telling you over and over again, this is what you do, this is what you're going to do, you're going to eventually, you know, push back. Even if I'm telling you everything, it's hundred percent true. Take it as an educator, you know, kids don't always want to hear that. And I think that com- conversation is a little too complicated. I don't love what Kyrie says in general. Um, but I also think this is starting to turn into like Kyrie's a super villain, which is starting to make me like, kind of be like, all right, let's calm down. I'm talking about the reaction, not what LeBron and Kyrie said. I'm talking yeah. about the reaction to the reaction, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's true. You know, I don't think it's, it's any harm or any, anything totally, uh, um, derailing in terms of what he's saying, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think we pretty much echoed the same points in terms of that. And yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see, um, what type of, uh, player he is in Brooklyn, uh, especially. Oh with- yeah. And, and, and let's get it. What he said was wrong. Like the looking around thing. Like if you look at LeBron said how many game, he's hit more game winners than KD has. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like as, as, as great as, you know, KD might be the greatest offensive player of all time when it's all said and done. And LeBron has hit more game winners than every any big shot maker ever. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, so to say that, and he's hit them with Kyrie being on the team. He's hit them with Kyrie there. So yeah. it was a little bit weird. Like, nah, but we went to me. You know, like there's yeah, he dropped yeah. the place. So like what he said was wrong, and I thought it was kind of stupid. Um, but I can see why LeBron got hurt just because it's like, yo, man, I, we won a title together. We were down three one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean? You saw what we are. Like, you know, like. Exactly. But even, even to your point, I think, you know, kind of look back at, you know, the clip that resurfaced that LeBron actually talked about with um, how he told T. Lou in the timeout, go to Kyrie because he has a matchup in terms of the switching. You know, they had Clay on him. Um, he wanted to switch Steph on him. Obviously, he made the biggest shot. So, you know, yeah, despite that in itself, you know, you look at that fourth quarter, um, you know, Kyrie had one basket outside of that three pointer. Whereas LeBron, if I'm not mistaken, had 11 points in the fourth quarter. And yeah, there was a, there's a big stretch yeah. where they didn't even, uh, you know, we've watched, we've talked about, it, you know, there was five minutes stretch where that was probably some of the worst offensive basketball ever. Oh, guys are legs. Game seven's are, a yeah. Yeah, guys, their legs are, are being dragged across the floor. Uh, but yeah, I mean, say, you know, they, they can say what they want. Maybe it will be a Fresh Prince reunion in terms of uh, how they look back on it. But um, I, I definitely say that, um, you know, these guys are definitely going to sit down one day and they're definitely going to reminisce in a positive way. I think right now is just too fresh for them in terms of uh, maybe some things that may or may not, uh, you know, need to be addressed. But speaking of uh, Brooklyn, you know, James Harden's been thrown into rumors. You know, you got people throwing out these ridiculous trades in terms of uh, what Houston would take. But I think we all know, um, you know, at least based on what we're reading, Raphael Stone seems like a guy who's going to sit and wait. Uh, James Harden, like you said off air, doesn't have a no trade clause in his contract. So he doesn't hold that power of, you know, dictating how things can go down. Um, But what do you what do you make of this whole saga? Because I mean, we definitely we're we're definitely for the player empowerment, but I think he's definitely uh, crossed the line. Uh, he's an habitual line stepper. We're uh, shout out to the late great you know Charlie Murphy in terms of the actions, in terms of what we're seeing on him social media, on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, habitual line stepper is the is definitely she could probably title this episode habitual line stepper. James Harden <laughs> habitual line stepper. Um, because I'm, a, I was almost cool with it when he was like, you know, going to, you know, if everyone knows anything about Harden, you know, he seems to be a strip club all-star. That's probably the reason why he stayed in Houston so long. Um, so him going to strip club wouldn't really freak him out. It was the, it was the no mask in a pandemic, um, you know, 
Mass and my teammates are currently in training camp and you're going to come to there and have to go through a COVID protocol. Um, I think it was more of that than anything. And, and I think this is the reason why, you know, and if you look at his representation, he's represented by his mother now. He's not represented by an agent, um, a classified agent. He's not. And I think, um, I think, this is the problem i'm not trying to insult his mother his mother might be a great businesswoman so i don't want to say that but um this is really why you get a rich paul or you get a scott boris in baseball right you get um any other super agents um that are out there right like if you want to trade demand you don't need to be messy right you just go to the organization and say i want to be traded and then you show up right and you do your job and then you go trade it's like 80 remember 80 tried to force his way out during all-star break he wanted to go to LA during that season right and you know New Orleans had enough power to be like no even though looking back at it they probably could have got even more out of it because you know how desperate Magic and them were they were willing to trade everybody but LeBron to get him um but they were willing to wait now out of spite but they waited um and AD was never a distraction outside of that that's all folks shirt he wore at the end of the season um, and you know, this is why you do that. Cause in general, you, this is, if you want to look like the villain, this is the kind of stuff you want to do. Now, I don't think look hard really cares about his professional reputation because if I think if he did, he wouldn't be doing all this stuff. But if I'm Houston again, this is what they've done for. Him. Okay. They traded lamb and Adams and the pick that became Adams and to get him and all that stuff. Um, Kevin Martin. And then, since then they got him Dwight. Howard post LA they're actually pretty good together but Howard was still on this like I need to be I need to get as many posts up as possible they push him up then they go all in and they say Harden this whole thing's built around what you do we're gonna bring in D'Antoni we're gonna give you the ball we're gonna let you be the one of the greatest scorers of all time oh by the way it's not working out we'll get you Chris Paul Chris Paul knowledgeable guy speaking of bad relationships but apparently you can wear people thin but he knows his basketball you're a hamstring away from probably going to the nba finals and winning a title right you push that guy away you get a worse player who was still good in russell westbrook you got your boy to come in and he gets around there he spends a year he's like yo i don't want to be around there's no accountability here who's the system it's been james harden yeah you know what I'm saying? They've done everything for him. He, LeBron has never had to do this. People talk about LeBron doing this. He's never had to do this. AD's never had to do Even this. Even with Dan Kobe. Gilbert, yeah. <laughs> AD. You know, we've, you know. We've, yeah, sorry. Internet uh, malfunction, I guess you can call it. But yeah, you're speaking about KD and um, various other stars, LeBron, et cetera, who haven't gone to this this extreme where they've been like, okay, even Curry. Uh, despite Paul all George, the you know, not, even Paul George, I'm talking about the guys who wanted out. Like I'm yeah. talking like the guys who specifically like yo, they were leaving. They didn't have to do any of this. Jimmy, the messiest, the closest thing we have to this is Jimmy Butler, right? And if Jimmy Butler still showed up to work, you know, he came in and he's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to take the scrubs and beat you, and then I'm going to do a, an interview with Rachel Nichols and say, hey, I want out now. Um, but he's showing up to work. He's not. Exp- exposing anybody some deadly virus like jimmy wanted to play he just didn't want to play there um to me i I hate the way he's handling it if i'm houston like teams aren't going to give up nothing for players anymore like they're the 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 front offices are too smart now they're looking at what paul what people got for paul george what what the sorry what the thunder got for paul george what the late uh um I almost called them the Hornets. The Pelicans got for AD. Um, you look at all these other teams that traded major players. And look at uh, the Thunder and the uh, Pacers trade. Look how much the Pacers even got. They got Oladipo and Sabonis from them. Unless you're getting an all-star back, and this is why I don't think the Nets trade is going to work, like, why would you take a centerpiece of Karis LeVert back? Karis LeVert is okay. Karis LeVert is what I think the Lakers hope Kuzma becomes. But that's not really that. That's like a fourth best scorer. You know what I'm saying? Like that's he's okay. He's all right, but he's not real. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like it it he doesn't to me, I'm not the only the best trade would be Philly. Cause if, if you get if you get Ben or Joel, if you get one of the two, 
and you know my theory. I actually think I'd I'd, I'd keep bending that Joe Wall. But yeah, that even to your point, I I think the John Wall trade threw a wrench in terms of the Ben Simmons for Harden uh, trade because yeah, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work unless somehow we see a renaissance man and. Uh, John Wall or even Ben Simmons in terms of the way they play. But to me, I think that's still uh, too many what ifs with that. We haven't seen John Wall play in two years, and we also haven't seen any uh, footage of Ben actually in game shooting and making teams um, have to guard him outside of the paint. So, yeah, I mean, I mean we get when we talk about it with the breakdown, like, I, you know, but but yeah, in general, I, I don't love and, you know, we're both player empowerment, you know, what I me. Mean? I'm yeah. pro player. Mostly, ninety five percent of issues. This is the one where I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't defend it. I don't like what he's doing. So mm, nah. you got to be a professional. You have to be a professional, even if you don't want to be somewhere. You still got to do your job. Mm-hmm. Speaking of scores, uh, we're gonna move on. Boston Celtics, who we're gonna touch base on in terms of the Atlantic Division to start things out. Uh, they feature a young core in terms of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, a good veteran in Kemba Walker. Once he's healthy in January, they're uh, expecting him to be back after his procedure. Um, they added Jeff Teague at Tristan Thompson. At, you know, they added a decent amount of talent through the draft. You you look at, uh, or I think a solid amount in terms of uh, Aaron Neesmith, a guy who shot 52% from three at Vandy, uh, 23 points per game. And they end up picking up Peyton Pritchard. A uh, pretty crafty scorer at Oregon, uh, averaged about four and a half assists per game in his career. Good shooter, can also, uh, you know, you see some flashes of him creating his own shot. And I think this team's going to have a lot on their plate in terms of, well, we we talked about this. We saw in the playoffs when the Raptors and Heat went zone, they had no answer for it. Now you lose Kemba Walker, you lose Gordon Hayward. Who's going to be that guy who sets the table? Because We've seen flashes from Tatum, but let's be real. You know, that Miami series, he didn't play up to, you know, the standards that was necessary for them to go on to the final. So do you think this uh, Boston team is going to be kind of having a lot of uh, trouble early on in terms of the early in the gates of the gates? If Kemba isn't healthy, they're going to be there. There'll be some issues, especially if they were if they lost uh, Gordon. Right. So um, their offense, I think. I think if you're looking at their lack of creativity in terms of like actually creating for others, they usually run the offense in a way where guys usually get shots um, for each other. Um, but a couple of pieces they've missing, right? Like Horford was a big um, elbow series guy, extend to the three-point line kind of guy, dribble handoff, pick and pop, um, kind of do the guy do easy baskets in that free-flowing offense that Stevens loves to run. But I think this comes a referendum to how good Tatum is going going to be right if Jason Tatum is the guy um that we're going to think he's going to project to be if he's going to step into that next star uh this is the year he's going to have to start doing it right this is because you've talked about this like he came up small in a couple of those moments like the team did but he did in the in some ways and I mean small in the sense of like he played good but I think if we want to make the next step he needs a game where he's he starts having those nights where he's scoring 35 40 points and like this is the team get on my back um and let me carry you for a series let me be as good as jimmy butler was in those two games against miami uh, against la sorry like let me be that guy let me be Jam- as good as even jamal murray was right like um and i think that's the next step for them um if you know adding teague might be helps them kind of maybe hold the fort they guys they signed teague right like yeah teague, so yeah, teague, there. Saw teague he might be able to hold him in a pinch but they need kemba back they need brown the only thing that worries me about the kemba injury was like the fact that they let him play um even though he said his knee was bothering it was kind of like i've talked we talked about this before with team culture with them i was a little bit i'm a little bit concerned that they let it happen it felt like an it part two kind of thing like like i don't why would you play him in a bubble especially um yeah but hopefully he's good um and you know they're a team with assets and assets and assets and outside of the the picks they hit with brown and tatum they haven't really you know hit on any of these assets yet they haven't been able to turn into anything that they've been able to keep so there's no way that they're done 
um, as a team. I think they're going to be in that top six um, of the teams in the East if everything goes goes great for them. But I still think you know they're going to they're missing a piece, especially down low, right? Because they just don't. You know, we've seen it throughout the playoffs. You know, as good as your boy Tice or Tice is, is it Tice? Tice, Tice, Tice. Tice. As good as Tice was at times, you know, there's times where he's just not playable. And with a team that struggles with size and inconsistent play from Grant Williams, until they address that major concern, they're going to have some issues uh, making it past the second round. It feels like a repeat of last year. Yeah, I think, to me, I think I I like the Tristan signing because, um, you know, we've seen him in Cleveland being able to switch on to other wings, other guards. Um, at, at about 6'9", six, 6'10", six, and he can rebound the heck out of the basketball. A- anytime yeah. you want an extra possession, you can count on that guy to bail you out. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Something that's um, not saying he's Dennis Rodman, but uh, I'm just saying like he, he can bring that type of uh, impact where he has an 18-rebound game or 20-rebound game. Warriors. Yeah. yeah and ask the Warriors about him. He, they, there, there are so many times where that final. He's just he's just an extra possession, extra possession. And those are backbreaking when you've defended for 20 seconds and he gets another rebound. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think um um the Jeff Teague signing to me, I, I'm not really a big fan of. You know, I liked him at Wake Forest, but in the league he hasn't really done anything for me to be like, okay, this is a, a starting caliber guard. Cause I feel like there's only so much of a ceiling with him. You know, the ceiling is the roof, uh word to MJ in terms of uh Jeff Teague um he's definitely an explosive guard from time to time but um for what they need and for what they lack I don't know if he offers that playmaking ability in terms of when teams go zone and even with Tatum I think his finishing at the rim has to get better um if I'm not mistaken he's pretty pretty average in terms of his finishing at the rim especially in that Miami series uh looking at the numbers and I think him not selling for jumpers, that's something that he he tends to do. A lot of long twos. He did improve on that, um, looking at his numbers. But to me, I think his finishing out the room has to get better because that can set up so much more in his game. It'll allow for him to um, just keep the defense on their toes. I think that's something that he has to uh, nail. And, it, it, you know, it, for, for a guy who's in, what, this is year four, I, I know we're asking for a lot out of him, but, We've we've seen the praise, you know. He he was a guy that looked up to Kobe. He trained with Kobe, and he has shown flashes of being that type of scorer. But um, I think, in a way, though, last year uh, without um, Kemba, it was a blessing for them because he actually played his best basketball when he wasn't in the lineup. So I, I'm intrigued to see how uh, he takes that step and sustains that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is he going to step into that superstar role? And, yeah, and the, and the Tristan signing is good, but he's not a rim protector. But he is good at, like, he allows you to switch, or if you get caught in a switch, um, you're not scared that he's going to get beat, right? You don't have to commit resources or send doubles. You, you can stick him on an island for multiple possessions, and he'll hold his own. Uh, so uh, shout out to Brampton. Yeah, for real. Uh Gotta gotta do us dirty with this next uh, team, you know, the Knickerbockers, the New York Knicks, um, illustrious franchise in terms of uh, the history before the uh, 2000s, and it's really been a lot of um, bad luck. You know, no playoff run since 2013. Team that's had very high expectations in terms of free agents, in terms of draft picks. Seems like uh, the Obi Toppin. Uh, pick you know you were pretty high on him in terms of what he could be but obviously him falling for what the numbers he put up in the metrics of what he is there's some concern in some terms of where he fits um how well they he can defend what's uh what's your uh, uh, view in terms of the Knicks I I know it's definitely a a hard thing to try to uh look at but what's your view of the Knicks uh, going into this season I think it's just for them I think, in, you know, they got an ownership. Other people have talked about this. James Dolan's the worst, probably worst owner of sports the last, like, 20 years. But um, hopefully they can start building a culture. Uh, I think they need to stop thinking about them being the Knicks and being New York and just start drafting and developing players and getting better and not worrying about 
uh, attracting some big fish uh, because nobody wants to go there of any consequence because they know what kind of mess it is. Um, we're going to get to see a lot of topping. If he can't defend, we won't see a lot of topping because of, Tim, of uh, their boy, uh, your boy, uh, Thibodeau. Um, uh, we're going to see, I don't know, you know, they're going to just, I, I, for them, it just, there's some teams that have playoff aspirations and some teams that have championship aspirations and some teams is like, let's just get better. And I think the Knicks are in that category. Let's find out how good Mitchell Robinson is. Let's find out how good RJ Barrett is. Oh, I think should have, he got left off the all rookie teams, right? Like, yeah. um, I, let's see how good our guys can be. Let's see how better we can get. They sign a guy like Austin Rivers. I don't get that signing for, for either one of them. I don't see why he'd go there. Uh, he'll, he's going to get to play more, but I, to me, to me, his role is he's a sixth to ninth guy on your team uh, off your bench. And he's good in that role. The Knicks are going to ask him to do way too much. Um, he's, you know, he's all right, but again, he's not real. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just, a lot of I didn't understand that signing, but they're the Knicks. They're going to do some things to scratch your head. Hopefully, your boy uh, Leon Rose and you know Worldwide West, you know, can kind of rebuild what they are. Um, it starts with Tibbs. Um, we know his teams will play all. You know, he'll find a rotation that he likes. But you know, normally the, the not, even the hiring of Tibbs, he's not really a developmental coach. He's kind of like I need guys who are ready. Um, we saw the Minnesota thing kind of fell apart once Jimmy wasn't there. So, um, good luck. Hmm. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot. Even yeah. looking at my notes, what are they going to do with it? What, what about a guy like Julius Randle? Do they look to trade him? Because if I'm not mistaken, that last year of his deal is half of the money, kind of like a, a Horford situation. He's a younger player. Definitely see some uh, – usage for him in terms of being off the bench for a playoff team. Um, but yeah, I, I think for RJ, guys like RJ, guys like Kevin Knox, especially RJ, more him, in terms of what type of score is he? I think he was a little erratic and you talked about this in our previous pod, you know, a lot of bad teams, what the the thing that they seem to do is they ask a player to do stuff that they're not capable of. And I think um, for me, just looking at his numbers, you know, 32% from three, from three um, shot about three a game. So that's a decent mark, but then you look at his two point percentage, only 43%. So I think he, and also the three, the free throw shooting is something that's a little bit of a concern for me, you know, 61%. And um, for a guy that's supposed to be, you know, a, a scorer, I think whether it's a situation, whether it's, you know, some things he has to work on, um, he did show flashes of um, being a good playmaker at Duke, but I think, you know, the Knicks are just a mess. I, I just wish he was in a better situation because I feel, you know, looking at their guard play, they don't really have enough to compliment him. No, they don't, they don't have a point, right? Like, who's the Nick Delita? Like, yeah, no, um, Aquina, who's yeah. their point guard? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't, Aquina, they don't really have, and, and a guy like RJ need you know, the kind of kid he, he uh, score he is, he needs some, he needs a point guard. Somebody can kind of get him into the spots because he's just a scorer, right? Like, he'll, he has the potential to be a good scorer. You know, hopefully as he gets stronger, he can start being better at finishing at the hoop because uh, he kind of struggles with that. He struggled at Duke at times, right? Um, he, you know, so hopefully he can kind of figure those things out. I don't understand the Julius Randle, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, it, it's it's like the worst version of what the Lakers have, where like Lakers had seven footers. These guys have a bunch of six, seven to six, ten, eleven guys that all overlap and don't uh, work together. Um, so hopefully it you know it works out for them. But um, yeah. sorry, but in general, yeah, the 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 Knicks are the Knicks, and um, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I think that pretty not, much. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have any. They're not even like the Bulls where you have marketing and, and Carter and Zach Levine. You know, there's some, there's a good core there. The Minnesota the Knicks are just, it's just a really a mismatch of things. And I don't know. Uh, the only thing I can think about the Knicks right now is your boy Kenny Smith compared Obi Toppin to Kenyon Martin. I think that was like a light skin thing because they, yeah. they don't play. Like, yeah, other than the <laughs> bounce. Yeah. And, I, and Obi's, Obi's a better athlete. Uh, Kenyon Martin uh, Jr. is the, 
you know, better athlete than his dad in terms of the creativity on uh, the. Oh, I'm about to say because yeah. his dad was his dad was a lob catcher. Oh yeah, from that yeah. era, he was like the lob catcher. But anyway. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Let's move on, man. It's yeah. <laughs> well, we'll move on. You know, gotta do a shout out for uh, Mark Cuban. He actually, as uh, we record this, actually signed JJ Barrera to a 2.5 million dollar deal last week. I ended up waiving him. Uh, intentionally because he knew that one he had to cut him and two he wanted to reward him for all that he's done so that to your point you know we talk about these two franchises that's uh you know jj barrera you know to the braun haters may be a god but you know <laughs> um in terms of uh <laughs> what he is but let, all jokes aside that goes to show you how ownership taking care of their players it goes a long way whether it's a jj barrera whether it's a dirk Nowitzki. so kudos to him for that and speaking of great management we're going to move on to the Toronto Raptors uh, team that seems to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of disrespect in terms of what people expected from them going into last year uh, without Kawhi. And we all know it. I think a lot of us know it. You know, if Pascal is 80% of what he usually is, you know, the Raptors are probably playing in a game seven in terms of the conference finals because I thought they matched up a lot better with Miami. Much but, better, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. They had to make their adjustments. Now they got to uh, rejuvenate themselves in a new Eastern Conference with everybody being healthy. They lose Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. What's your uh, take on terms in terms of what the Raptors are uh, moving forward? I mean, I, I hope no one has them not making the playoffs like your boy 3D did last year. But yeah, uh, him, him and Steve Smith. I think Steve Smith had them like seventh or something. And Mitchell, yeah. had, Sam Mitchell had them like no, yeah, Smith had them like seventh or eight. Yeah. But yeah, um, he had Detroit ahead of them. But anyway, um, you know, their front court with Boucher now and Baines um, is probably Boucher shows some really good flashes of being a, a really athletic finisher at the rim and shot blocker, and you know. If there's any criticism of nurses, maybe when those bigs, both Serge and Mark, were struggling, he could have maybe tried to see what he could get out of the, out of him. He didn't really trust his bench, or even or with the, the the struggles that Pascal had. But in general, I think the the big issue the Raptors are going to have is in that front court. Um, if I I think Pascal, it might have been just a bubble thing. I don't think he's going to be that bad. Oh no! There's um, no way. Yeah, he was you know, historically like he, bad. Yeah, yeah. He he went from one of the you know most improved player turning into a potential star. Um, you know, he had guys across the board of being like, oh, these guys like hit on him. Like he's a star star. Um, they used to be that we used to have Pascal, you know, take Brown arguments or Tatum arguments. I think that ship might have sailed, mm -hmm. but as long as you have Kyle Lowry and you got Fred back. Your backcourt, which would have, if Pascal was normal, would have definitely pushed Miami because they have the backcourt that Boston doesn't. Um, so, to me, it's just how how much the Toronto's going to go as far as their bigs are going to take them. If they can get Boucher to give them some minutes and Baines to kind of be a, a stretchier Jonas for them, a guy who can hit threes and and play make a bit, and who got who's gotten actually a better. He was really good in Phoenix. Um, yeah, you know they would play him over Aiden uh, for a lot of the a lot of those minutes. So another bad move by Boston. They traded him. They traded him away. Right. And he ended up hitting, he was like, there was times they were playing him over Aiden, right? Like Aiden had their, and Aiden was a really, you know, just to show you how good Baines was. So I like the pickup. Um, they're clearly not trying to kill their clap flexibility for obvious reasons. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to make a, a play, but you know, they're another team that like Boston will, will probably, Fight. they're going to overperform expectations because that's what the Raptors have done the last like five seasons. Um, probably not good enough to make a conference finals if everybody else is healthy in the East this year. But um, I know some of our friends have them as low as seventh. I don't think they're going to be that low. Um, but definitely if they, they, they need to address their four or five for sure. Yeah. And they're a top six team. Uh, I, I, I look at the rest of the East, let's say, you got Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Philly. I think outside of those three, I think Toronto's definitely in the conversation of being a team that's next. But yeah. I, I do like the addition of Malachi Flynn because, you know, looking at the team last year, I mean, nobody – I mean, unless you were aware in terms of being in circles of 
being aware of COVID. Um, the Raptors were a pretty uh, injury-riddled team last year, and I think he is a guy you can, you know, like a Fred. You can play him right away, resembles Fred in terms of uh, his game. I know a lot of people try to, you know, lump us light skins in the same category, but he's a guy you can guard a guy full court. He, he kind of embodies what you see in terms of Lowry and um, and Fred in terms of their ability to, yeah, they may be no more than 6'2", but they can guard a Steph Curry or they can switch onto a, a you know, a, a, a Jason Tatum trying to post them up and hold their own. So I think he embodies what they are. And I think Jalen Harris, another guy they uh, picked up in the uh, later half of the draft, um, I, I like what they did in terms of that. I think they're definitely looking towards the future while staying pretty competitive. But my thing is I want to see how Pascal fits in as a, a small ball five because I think you and I talked about this. You know, Nurse did try it in the game seven, but obviously it didn't uh, work. But I think that could be uh, something special uh, going forward. Do yeah. you think this, this team can kind of catch people slipping with that? Yeah, they usually do. I think, yeah, I think we talked about this before Pascal at the five um, or four and five small ball, four and five would probably be their best lineup just because if he's hitting his jumper, um, you know, cause he was, he was at like 12% or something like, was he at something ridiculous at one point? Yeah. It's like he, he was unplayable from three. Like he was like um, almost like Dwight Howard shooting threes out there, like this <laughs> type of effectiveness. Um, if he, if you can get, if you can have lineups with you get Norm, Fred, Kyle, him, and you throw any other guy in there with them and with Pascal and you get some versatility and some speed and a guy who can um, really cause them headaches, they're going to be a problem, right? The, the Raptors, they're, they're lengthy. They play defense. Their coach is going to try every junk defense in the world. Um, they're going to compete. Kyle's going to flop and take charges. Um you know, they're going to be pit bulls. They're going to be a problem, I think, for a lot a lot of people. Um, then people think, I think they're going to fight and they're going to scrap. But, yeah, this this they're not a contender anymore. They're not a defending champion anymore. But they're just a team that you're just going to not enjoy playing. Yeah, I think, to say the least, you know, you're going to get the, the best out of a Nick Nurse coach team. Saw it last year where a lot of people, like you said, um, me personally, going into last year, I had them as about a four seed. You know, you could probably, I guess you can hate on me for that, but that's just what I saw. But we saw guys take a, a step forward in terms of the Norman Powells. It's going to be intriguing to see maybe they make a move with him in terms of acquiring a buddy healed, play, uh, getting a guy who can shoot. Matt Thomas is another guy on that team that could be useful for them going forward as a guy you can kind of plug in to spot you some threes. But, yeah, I think this Toronto team is going to be real competitive. But moving on, uh, the two top teams, at least in my opinion, in this division, I think Omar would agree if things are clicking. We're going to start off with the 76ers. Got the addition of Glenn Rivers. You know, says he wants to be called Glenn, but, uh, you know, that, that ship uh, sailed like a week or a day after he got signed. Uh, he's Doc as, as far as I'm concerned. No disrespect to Dr. J, um, one of the most unappreciated um, legends ever. Uh, but speaking of Philly, you know, there's been a lot of questions about whether Joel and Ben can fit. They come in with Maury. They add some shooting with um, Seth Curry, a guy who shoots 45% for th from three for his career, uh, if I'm not mistaken. His brother does. Per yeah. Se. He's not better than his brother, but he shoots better. Yeah. They, they add him, they add Danny Green, who at times can be a uh, three-point uh, leader great, or he can be um, no, nowhere to be found uh, bad in terms of his production from three. But say the that that guy is not a good defender or not a good player otherwise, I mean, he definitely gives you some value on the defensive end that people seem to overlook because he can be erratic in three. But, um, yeah, what's your take on Philly? I think this is a team that, whether they make a move for Harden or whether they can make it work, they could be knocking on that door for the conference finals in terms of representing the East. Yeah. I, we kind of talked a lot about Harden Philly already. Um, so I'm more focused on if they don't make that move for whatever reason. Um, 
to me, I mean, I was looking at this stat right now. So I'm going to give you the top three uh, three-point assist guys in the league last year, okay? Number one was Luka at 244. Number two was LeBron at 234. And at 226 was Ben Simmons, right? And this is what a team without any real shooting uh, last year. We talked about this ad nauseum before. Their shooting actually took a big decrease. They lost so many shooters. Uh, Brand let all of these guys go in order to just taste Tobias Harris. Maury comes in and already replaces him with two shooters right off the jump. Um, I think though Ben will be better as a result because again, if he's third and three point shooting assists with a guy like you know up there with with two guys like LeBron and Luca, you know who we we all know are probably the two premier playmakers in the game right now. Um, those two, Ben is right in that conversation with a James Harden on a team like Houston where they shoot a bunch of threes, even more, right? Like, so I think Doc's going to allow them to play more freer on offense. Um, I think Ben and and Joel need to get, and Joel needs to come back into camp into shape. Um, finally, he needs to be, you know, because we talked about this, like he was coddled. The one thing about Doc, he ain't calling nothing. Um, you got to show him play. He's coached KG. He's coached Kawhi. He's coached Paul George. He's coached Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. Like, he's coached Tracy McGrady. Like, he's coached some dogs uh, in his in his career. So he knows what it takes. And he's, you know, he's coached. And he played with Charles Oakley. So he and he played, with, he played with those Knicks teams. Like, you know, so I think all of these guys um, fit in better i think they, they have a better fitting team this year if everyone's healthy ben needs to stay healthy um he had that freak injury uh but if joel can come into shape um there's no reason i mean last year we had them ahead of toronto for this reason because we thought it was all going to click but they didn't have the shooting you know i think this year they addressed those concerns um i think they are going to be the second or third best team in the in the east um because of how they're going to be able to play make. Now, if they get hard in that, the, the, the math changes. Um, but in terms of just how they carry themselves, I, I don't see why they don't improve as a team. They got a better coach and they got better shooting, which was the two things that they needed the most. And they got an adult in the room. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, you talked about the offensive side. Even defensively, they took a major step back, uh, despite adding, you know, a guy like Matisse Thybul who I thought was a top uh, defensive player in terms of um, his impact on the game as a rookie. And they were middle of the pack as a defensive team. You look at a lot of their schemes. They play a lot of drop coverages. And even watching Chris Paul on J.J. Reddick's podcast, even a guy like him, he said how him and DeAndre Jordan in um, L.A., he loved to play level with the ball screen. And, of course, it's a copycat league. Um, they kind of look at how a drop coverage, you know, throws things off, how the NBA's evolved as a defense, especially with Chris Paul being in that mid-2000s era where the game has definitely transitioned a lot uh, further. But I think Brett Brown was definitely behind in terms of how he handled things. I'm My concern is the Tobias Harris. I know you, you talked about him in terms of him being a guy they overpaid. I just don't like the fit. I think – whether they somehow are able to include him in that deal for Harden or whatever they do with him. I'm just worried about him in terms of how he's able to get his shots. And also this team to me doesn't really have another ball handler. So I think that's something that we're going to see how, what's that? Yeah, yeah, they definitely need to get another ball handler. They try to get Austin Rivers, right? But Doc shut that down, but he's not really a true ball handler himself. Yeah, so I think like Tyrese Maxey maybe is a guy. He's a dynamic guard. Even looking at some of his metrics um, and some of the stats, he did in Cal Calipari system. You're going to have the ball. You're going to play off the ball, especially because he likes to run those three guard sets. I think maybe a guy like him um, is going to be intriguing for me to watch how he's fit, how he fits in the offense. Because I think having a guy like Ben beside him can actually do uh, a lot for both guys. So I think having him. Uh, go downhill and also he does have a good looking jumper so it could fit 
Yeah, they got. I mean, they got a lot of TJ McConnell, right? And yeah. somebody to kind of fill that role because they played him a lot with Ben and the backup to Ben. So, uh, yeah, once they can get that addressed, I do like I do like them more. But I I, I did like them more last year, going into last year, and then the season started. I was like, oh, forget that. <laughs> so, <laughs> for real, and it's a shame, but it remains to be seen what this uh, team's gonna you know be made of. Or to wrap things up, we got the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the aforementioned Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, the big two. But question is, you know, we, we've discussed this. Um, how is that, you know, you know, I'm not going to say it's not AD and LeBron in terms of having two one versus five guys. And obviously KD and LeBron are two different players um, in terms of how they, you know, LeBron, this is the thing. People say LeBron doesn't score, but. We all know LeBron's strength is his passing, and KD's obviously in that conversation of greatest score ever. But you talked about Kyrie not really setting the table, being his, uh, you know, that's not something that he possesses as a point guard. How do they fit in that playmaker? Is it maybe developing a Levert as another ball handler? You know, I, I really like this team. I think they're definitely, if healthy, the best team in the conference. But I think that's going to be something that they're going to have to address. I, I I'm curious what their offense looks like um, for the other guys. I don't I I think like a guy like Katie and and um, there's going to be at least twenty to forty possessions where the ball goes to Katie and Kyrie and everyone just kind of gets out of the way and lets those guys cook. Um, the other possessions though, the other fifty to sixty possessions where you're trying to get other guys involved. That's where Nash and D'Antoni and Jacques Vaughn will make their money. Um, because, you know, when in doubt, they can just go to the seven foot two guard, uh, or they can go with one of the toughest shot makers um, ever uh, and best ball handler. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be a playmaker. I think it's going to have to be a system. I think there's going to have to be a lot more split cuts. I think it's going to have to like look across the, uh, the West Coast to where KD was before. I think the reason he left OKC was in part was because he liked the offense and the stuff they did in golden state. And then he got annoyed with it because he's KD he hates everything. But um, I think Nash kind of sees the game in the same, in the kind of similar vein as Steve Kerr, right. Is the reason why he worked with them. And I think you're going to see an offense, hopefully if they all hit that has some movement and some pace because um in order to get other guys involved, they're going to have to be better because a lot of guys like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving, KD, they're not have they're not used to having to move it out the ball. KD's game fits in with everything because he's just a, he's a knockdown shooter too, so he'll fit with anybody um, and any system you put him in. But they're going to have to focus on making sure they build an offense that features or helps the other guys get shots or else they are going to struggle when they play in the later rounds in the playoffs, um, when they play against the other championship contenders um, with that. And if, and more importantly, I mean, we're all talking, we're assuming that Katie's healthy and we're assuming Kyrie's healthy. And these are both guys with injury histories. And this is with Katie coming off one of the worst injuries you can get as, as an athlete. So we'll see if they're healthy. This is how I'm projecting them, but you know, Kyrie's usually due for an injury every year. So, um, how they adjust in that situation, I. But I, I really feel like their front office is going to have to start thinking of who can we bring in here as a facilitator, I, because um, they have a lot of they have all their picks, um, but they're all going to be back. They're all going to be in the back, and you're going to have to do a lot of pick swaps. And who really wants Spencer Dinwiddie that much? Who really wants uh, Karis LeVert that much to give up a playmaker? I don't. I, I don't know who many, how many teams are out there that that are going to be that dance partner. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. I, I and even looking at their roster, you know, you got <clears throat> Bruce Brown Jr. who in Detroit did show flashes of being a guy who could create kind of like a lead guard, um, pretty good size as a as a lead guard. And to me, I think he's maybe somebody to look at in terms of how they address that second unit, 6'4", combo guard. I, I like the uh, the acquisition of bringing him in. It allows for maybe even Kyrie to be off ball. And we'll, we'll see what uh, type of player he is. Obviously, Detroit is uh, 
a different animal, but maybe playing with some better players and healthy players, uh, like you said, if that's the case, you know, we could see how they maximize them with Nash being there. And Dan Tony, who's also a mastermind on offense, maybe um, Houston maybe wasn't his best showing in terms of how the style was, but, um, you know, a lot of things that he, those guys did in Phoenix, uh, you, you see it a lot in terms of uh, what people run today in terms of point guard and big man play. And, um, you know, even looking at Shamit and Harris, I think those are, you know, retaining uh, Joe Harris, uh, paid him about $18 million, a guy who can defend big wing. You also bring in Shamit, a guy who can spot up. Um, I, I, I just think that that was the one thing they had to address, and I think they're halfway there in terms of their uh, issues in terms oh, of yeah. what they could face. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense. If you're not going to get a playmaker, then you need, you're need you going to have to create gravity in other ways, right? You're going to have to create situations where K- Katie and Kyrie are going to have to make easier reads, um, especially in Kyrie's case, because Kyrie doesn't really playmake um, in the same way. He can throw lobs, he can pass, but it's not really his strength. Um, but if you got a situation where guys are are not don't want to help off a of Shamit, don't want to help off a of Harris, they're a step late, uh, because they're worried about those guys, then it's just going to make it easier for KD and Kyrie. And they'll, they'll make the reads a lot easier. They won't have to play to make as much. Because you're going to have to, if you're not going to get a playmaker, then you're going to have to simplify um, a lot of these sets. And, um, but yeah, they're, to me, they're my favorite. If everyone's healthy, I think they're my favorite in the East. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. Unless we see something happen in Philly and, um, maybe Milwaukee somehow makes a move at the beginning of the season or pre-deadline that it's uh, Brooklyn's uh, conference to lose in terms of expectations if everything is uh, clicking and everybody's healthy. I'm just wondering in terms of, yeah, this team defensively was pretty good team. Uh, that was one of the praises that um, they got last year in terms of Kenny Atkinson being there. You look at their defense, they were ninth in defensive rating. But to me, I think – what what's the what's uh KD's expectation in terms of him defensively? You know what he's gonna be um, on offense, and we did see in the last uh, couple of years in OKC, and then obviously in Golden State, where he was surrounded by players where he could be a small ball five. Um, do you think they have enough to to where they could play him at the five and say, okay, we can surround him with maybe a Taurine Prince? And a couple other guys, you think it's enough in terms of uh, how they're going to be defensively? Uh, Torian Prince isn't Draymond Green. Yeah. So uh, I think Draymond allowed him to play at the five because he can funnel some stuff into him and he's smart enough not to get beat. Clay Thompson was a great two-way player. Um, yeah, Kyrie isn't the greatest on-ball defender. Um I would like to see KD at the five. I don't know how much you're going to have KD at the five. He got way better at rim protection, right? He's not really the greatest on-ball guy out there. Um, mm-hmm. He can hold his own on-ball defensively. Um, you know, because, you know, the last time he guarded LeBron head up for a game where, like, the Cavs actually had a chance, LeBron gave him 51. Um, I think we always leave that one out. But um, <laughs> he's not really the best – on on ball guy but what he became in golden state was a really good help side defender um because he's seven foot 11 so like um so that could work for them um they have jared allen too so i think you can just play him with jared allen and i think he'll be okay as, as kind of that dunker spot um and i think katie won't get katie's a good enough defender where you won't have to worry about putting him on it he you, you don't worry about him getting stuck on an island though so um, I, I still think they're a playmaker. I think that's the only thing that worries me. They kind of remind me of a slightly different version of what the Clippers were last year. They do have all the tools, but do they are able to mix together? This whole holistic coaching thing bothers me. Um, yeah. Where you're a coach one day, and I'd like, <laughs> like I don't. I think I think Kyrie meant more of like the input on 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 how players are and like and it's true you collaborate more than people think. I think people think it's um, coach yells and like it's college, but in most cases on uh, the pro level, it's more like you are you guys are collaborators working to try to solve the same problems. 
then then it's not really top down it's more like a circle mm-hmm. um but in the case of of them i think that's their biggest issue they they still to me that's the only thing that clear that worries me is like you need guys and get guys shots mm-hmm. um because if you can't get other guys involved it just makes it so much harder and then you the you know teams start tightening up on you i don't care what kind of offensive player when they get start setting multiple bodies at you uh it's going to wear you down so i think that's going to be the biggest case and help because again we got two guys that have had some serious injuries um and guys who both and especially in Kyrie's case has missed chunks and chunks of seasons he hasn't played a full season since he was a cab so we'll see how that goes and that's i've been four years from now right (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah it remains to be seen what this uh conference offers but i think we can definitely agree this is definitely the strongest eastern conference uh division and arguably the strongest um conference in the uh, sorry division in the nba but i think the pacific might have something to say about that as we're going to discuss them uh in our next episode um before we wrap things up omar you got anything else to say no, uh, stay out of the strip clubs. And, let, and if you are, you know, protect your face. You're going to do that if you have to go. That's my <laughs> word. That's yeah. the, more, the more you know. Yeah. yeah, other than that, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on again, man. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your evening. Like Omar said, wear your mask uh, if you're going to be partaking in adult entertainment uh, in terms of, you know, the physical shows that you may be seeing but yeah (laughs) hope you guys are staying safe take care people for more content you can follow us on instagram at daniels den hoops as well as facebook we're available as well at daniels den of hoops and on spotify you got us on apple etc etc they had to change the name obviously to clarify some things but yeah we talk about the culture the game itself the breakdown of the game everything else in between Take care.